that song we just sang says, I'm running to your arms. I'm running to your arms. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 18, for I will be your father and you will be the sons and daughters of God. In this place right now, I don't know what you're facing. Maybe something great, maybe something good, but would you just run and tattle to your father right now? Tell him what's on your heart. Tell him what's good. Tell him what's bad. And your Father who is in heaven will hear you. Heavenly Father, we run to you. Would you just hear us as we run to the Father? Before he spoke creation, the God of heaven
you open our heart, minds, and souls so that we can hear the word that you have prepared for each one of us. That we would not just listen, but that we would hear. That it would make sense to us. That it would go down into the depths of who we are. That it would bear fruit for your purpose, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, for your presence that fills this place. Thank you, Lord, for the honor of being within your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, it's so good to see you. Would you welcome Pastor Richard? Church, it was 1973 when the Supreme Court said it was okay to have abortions. And it was this past Friday they said it. They can no longer allow that to happen. Now, we're a pro-life church, but I know some of you are pro-choice. I just pray that healing take place in our country. We have the First Amendment, which gives us freedom of speech, freedom to protest but it doesn't give us allowance and freedom to create violence and uproar. We can have rallies, but not riots. So we need to pray for our country. We need to pray for our city. And I wanna pray for our congregation because I know not everyone agrees pro-choice or pro-life, but I know this, that God's word is from everlasting to everlasting. And we want to support life. So, Father, we love you. Father, I pray for our country that is so divided, Lord. So divided over a lot of things. It's so divided over politics and political parties. It's divided over abortion and the same-sex marriage. And it's just things that your word is clear about yet. We have distorted. Father, I pray healing over our land. I pray, Father God, that the church would step up. That, Lord, there's a lot, a lot of people on the adoption rolls that have not been able to adopt. I pray that, God, that young girls and young women and women that find themselves with an unexpected pregnancy would give their child to a family that is desperate to raise their child in a godly home. Father God, I pray protection over our country, that Lord, we would find healing, and that Lord, even in our differences, we would find peace. Father, we love you, and we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and God's people said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Hey, greet somebody before you sit down. Say, I'm so glad you made it to church today. Welcome them. Say, it's so good to have you in the house of God. Uh, I have some announcements that we need to cover. I want to let you know that We have, thank you, we have our new Believers Discipleship class going on right now. 
Uh, so if you've never gone through a discipleship class or a new believers class, it's real important that you do that to help you understand the decision you've made to serve God, follow God, and be more like him. Uh, we also have a class called Fortify Your Spiritual Strengths. And that's an amazing class that really helps you equip you and train you to understand the word of God and use the word of God for victory. And I want to let you know that today is Baptism Sunday. <laughs> so those of you getting baptized, we're so excited with you and for you. I'm super excited because my grandson, my oldest grandson, Isaiah 16, is getting baptized today. And he, and he said, Grandpa, I know you don't do the actual dunking anymore, but would you dunk me? And I go, I'd be honored to. So it's going to be just a fun time seeing what God is doing. Uh, Sister Sonia, Pastor Sonia Cleveland is starting a, uh, a discipleship class, and she'll be starting that next week because she has tested positive for COVID, so be praying for her. And my wife tested positive for COVID. Today's her fifth day, and I have been testing every day, and every day I keep coming out negative, and I go, thank you, Jesus. I don't ever want that dreaded disease again. And I've been taking some stuff that some of you agree with and some of you don't, but I've been taking hydrochloroquine and ivermectin and vitamin D and zinc and magnesium and calcium and vitamin A. and vi I, I'm, I probably take 15 pills a day. And my wife goes, what are you taking? I go, I don't have COVID and you do, babe. That's all I'm saying. Now, porosita, but pray for her and all those that are battling COVID. Hey, we just got back from summer camp, and it was awesome, amazing. All of our counselors are exhausted, and all of the campers, all the kids wanted to stay another week. And uh, they really did. They were like, can we stay another week? Can we stay another week? And we go, no, no, we can't. <laughs> we're old, and we can't handle that. Um, hey, I want to let you know, be praying for our youth because our youth came back really fired up from camp. And on Tuesday, so in two days, they load up the van and they're driving to San Antonio, Texas. They're going to San Antonio for the International Youth Convention of the Church of God. There should probably be about five, 6,000 young people there, and some from even around the world, and it's really going to be amazing. And so be praying for them to have a safe trip over there and back, but more than anything, that they have an encounter with God, just a powerful encounter with God. Also, Vacation Bible School's right around the corner. It's in July 24th through the 28th. That's a Sunday through a Thursday, and we need volunteers because we have hundreds of kids running around, having an amazing time, being taught about the Lord, and we really need volunteers, so please make sure you sign up. And also register your kids for that. Uh, that's from, um, you know, from kindergarten all the way up to fifth grade, and it's going to be an amazing time. And the last thing, mark your calendar for July the 6th. Uh, many of you like Brian Trejo, 
Brian Trejo is bringing his entourage. There's going to be a total of eight singers, and they're going to be uh, under his construction, is sponsoring this. We're co-sponsors with them. It's going to be held at the Hoffman Town Church Amphitheater. It's an outdoor arena that's absolutely amazing. So we hope that you're going to be able to be there for that. And don't forget our tithes and offerings. We have boxes at every doorway here in the building. Uh, because of that, we're able to do uh, the ministries that we do here, from feeding the hungry, from, from clothing the naked, from visiting the prisoners, from uh, helping kids come to know about Jesus and just seeing transformed lives. So we thank God for that. Hey, well, let's get into the word. I continue on this series called Healthy Boundaries, but oh, right before we do that, all of you getting baptized, everyone getting baptized, I need you to follow Brother David out to your class, and Sister Jeanette has some forms you have to fill out, so if you guys can go with her right now, all of you getting baptized, uh, we're real excited for all of you. That's going to be an exciting time. And also the youth uh, have youth class right now. So they have their own worship service. So 6th grade to 12th grade, uh, follow them out that door, and they'll get you to where you need to be. Hey, I just want to let you know, don't let the people getting baptized know this, but something happened overnight to our heater. So... The water's cold. So they're really going to think they're at the Rio Grande. Someone said it's like the Jordan River, and I have gotten baptized, and I've baptized many people in the Jordan River, and it was cold. So pray for them. They don't know it yet, and they will have the joy of the Lord. Uh, it'll shock the devil out of them and get Jesus into them. Amen. <laughs> so, I want to talk about rising above disappointments. In life, all of us are going to have disappointments. I don't know if you've ever wanted something so bad and it didn't happen the way you planned. You fell in love and you walked down the aisle and you said, I do, and he didn't or she didn't. You wanted a baby so bad and you've never been able to get pregnant. You wanted a promotion really bad and you didn't get it. Just stuff, stuff. Life happens. And we get disappointed and we get overwhelmed and we feel like, what a drag. And I want to look at a story in the Bible that has tons of disappointments, but it has an amazing happy ending. And that's the birth of Jesus Christ. You see, there was a man named Joseph, and he was engaged to Mary, and they're going to be getting married. And uh, back in those days, once you got engaged, it was called betrothed, you were already, as a married couple, you were already beyond exclusive. You were, if you would, a married couple, because if you changed your mind, you had to get a divorce. So... Joseph is 
all excited. He's going to get married, and Mary's all excited. She's going to get married, and all of a sudden, they find out that Jesus is going to be born to Mary. She tells Joseph, and Joseph's so bummed out, like, really, Mary? God, we were about to get married, and you cheat on me? God, I can't believe this. What's up with this? You see, he's really bummed out. She's really bummed out. She had everything planned, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, hey, the Lord wants you to conceive the holy child. You found favor with God. And she's like, how can this happen? I, I'm, oh, she's happy, but she's sad. She's bummed out, but she's excited. But, and then finally, Joseph, let's just get into the story. Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. It says, Joseph, to whom Mary was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. He, he didn't want to divorce her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Man, what a disappointment. He's having to break off the engagement. A young couple came up to me today and they go, Pastor, we have something to show you. And she couldn't even lift her hand, and the boyfriend had to help her because she has a rock so huge. They just got engaged. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, how exciting. And I was rejoicing and hugged them and prayed with them. And, and there was a lady there with us that had been married. She's been married over 50 years, and I've been married 44. And we prayed over them that God would seal their relationship, and they'd go the distance. Well, man, there's Mary and Joseph, and they're bummed out, and he's like, this isn't how I planned it. I don't want to divorce her, but I'm going to do it. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 24 and 25, it says, when Joseph woke up, you see, he was just really mad at God and mad at everything, and the Holy Spirit came to him at night, and an angel spoke to him, and so when Joseph was asleep, he woke up and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and he took Mary as a wife. The, the Lord said, look, this is really God's seed. You need to marry her, verse 25. And he did not have sexual relationships with her until her son was born and they named, and Joseph named him Jesus. So here they get married and they can't even go off on a honeymoon. He can't have relationships with her till the kid's born. He's like, ooh, Kela. I had all these plans. We were going to go to the Bahamas. I had everything planned. And now it all fell apart. Now look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from Eastern lands from the Orient arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we've come to worship him. So now Herod is all shook up because they're knocking at the palace door saying, we're looking for the king that was just born. And Herod's like, wait, my wife hasn't had a kid. What's going on? Boy, he's all disturbed. And the wise men are like, ooh, you mean we got the wrong palace? What a drag. Are you with me? 
Just one disappointment after another after another. But yet every single one of them rise up above the disappointment. And God does these amazing things that we want to see how they got there. And the first thing you see there is that when you really want to rise up above a disappointment, you do it by listening to God's message. You do it by listening to God's message. God had focused on them, and he had said to Mary, man, you are favored with God. Mary turned, she tuned into God because otherwise, if you don't tune into God, let me tell you what will happen. You'll start listening to the wrong voices and the wrong advice, and they will mess you up. When you face disappointment, you will start making really destructive and bad decisions. Amen? And you'll start getting crazy. And and when things aren't going your way, all of a sudden you start demanding stuff. Well, why did you get it and I didn't? Why did you do it and I didn't? And why and why and why? You start getting angry and you start getting mad and, and you demand things and you want things your way and no longer God's. And if you start listening to the wrong voices, they'll tell you that you're right and you have rights. When God says, I got you covered, I'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. I will take care of you. And then don't be defeated and accept it. See, when we make bad choices and and things don't go the way we want and we get disappointed, before you know it, you just finally just give in and say, oh, forget it. Just forget it. I, I can't turn this thing around. Just forget it. It's not going how I want it. Just forget it. You know what? I feel so defeated. I just, just I, you accept it and just say, ah, just forget it. Who cares anyway? And you accept the defeat and you accept the downtroddenness of your life and you accept what's happening because you're not listening to God that he has a plan for you. You're listening to the other voices. And so don't compare yourself to others. Because you'll start looking at others and you'll start comparing yourself and, well, why do you have that? And I don't. I've even been here longer than you. I'm older than you. I'm smarter than you. I have more degrees than you. I have more education than you. I have more, I have more uh, at, uh, been at the job longer. I have the right. I should be able to have that instead of you. I have seniority. And all of a sudden, you're comparing yourself, and it just gets bad. And that's why you've got to listen to God's message. You've got to listen to his voice. You've got to listen to what he said because otherwise you're going to get all confused. And then you won't trust anyone. You won't trust anyone but you. You won't trust God. You'll say, well, you let me down, God. Why should I trust you? You won't trust your friends. You won't trust your loved ones. You won't trust your husband or wife. (coughs) You won't trust anybody Because you're disappointed that things aren't going the way you wanted and you're forgetting the message of the Lord and you're forgetting what God said and you're forgetting what he called you to do and now you feel overwhelmed and you feel like I can't even do this. Just forget it. This is horrible. I don't know what's going to happen, but I am incredibly disappointed and you quit listening to the one that will get you through it. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He called Moses to lead the people out of Egypt. And then they get to the Red Sea and he goes, really? You bring us out here so we could die? And he goes, no, actually, I brought you out here to have freedom. He goes, just trust me and step out and step in. 
He goes, I don't want to get wet and I don't want to drown. And the army's right behind us. The army of Egypt, they're coming to get us. And all of a sudden, God splits open the Red Sea and they cross and they get through. See, God does things that you and I don't expect and we get disappointed. But if you listen to him and you lean into him and you believe in him, he will see you through. So it's important that we do that. Mary needed to hear God's message for her. She needed to hear, reassure me, God, I'm kind of tripping out here. Joseph wants to break it off. He he gave me back. He said, give me back the ring and I'm not gonna marry you after all. And I'm tripping, God, I'm really scared. So in Luke chapter one, verse 28, it says, Gabriel appeared to Mary and he said, greetings, favored woman. Favored. Can you imagine God calling you that you are favored? That God is calling and saying you are the favored one? That God is saying you are the one? He says, the Lord is with you. So quit freaking out. God is with you. Quit wondering, are you, are you really pregnant by the Holy Spirit? God is taking care of you. She was scared. But she's like, okay, if I'm going to have a baby, how can this be verse Luke 1, 34. She's, Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. In other words, angel, I took biology 101. It takes a man and a woman to produce a child. The man has to fertilize the woman's egg and I haven't been with a man, so how is this gonna happen? Look, when you and I hear a different voice and God takes us in a different direction, there's nothing wrong with asking him, Lord, why are you doing this? Help me understand. And then if you ask him, listen. Listen to what he says. Because the impossible could take place. In Luke 1.37, he says, The word of God will never fail. He says, for nothing is impossible for God. It might be impossible for man, but not for me. You might not be able to get pregnant by this way ever again, but you can through me. You're right, Mary. You have to have sex with a man to get pregnant, but I have poured my spirit upon you and a miracle is taking place. And I can perform miracles. The impossible things of life can become disappointing to us. When things are impossible, we just kind of give up and we say, forget it. I don't think we could do this. I don't think we could get through this. I don't think we can make it. I don't know what's happening. I don't know how it's happening. All I know is God, I, I'm ready to quit. I'm ready to quit. And God says, no, listen. What's Impossible for man is not impossible for God. Nothing's impossible for God. And we've got to hear that message. We've got to hold on to the message. We've got to bring up that message. And we need to hold on really tight to that message. Because God has a word for us. And sometimes we're so disappointed and we feel like we can't get through it. And he's saying, just listen to me because I'm going to guide you through. Second thing we need to do to rise up above disappointment, we do it by learning to see God's purpose. We start seeing the purpose of God. We start seeing, okay, this happened, but wow, God did it for this. 
Hasn't something ever happened in your life and you're all bummed out and all of a sudden it turns out really good and you're like, who would have ever thought it would have turned out so good? Man, I didn't want to have a flat tire, but because I got a flat tire, I wasn't at the intersection at the time I normally would have been and I could have been killed. Lord, thank you. Thank you for watching out for me. Lord, thank you for providing for me. Thank you for doing the things that, Lord, normally we can't do on our own. There's no disappointment that can stop God's plan. God's plan is from everlasting to everlasting, and God's plan is perfect. And he says, all things work together for good to those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And so God will see you through. God will help you through. And you might feel so disappointed. You might feel overwhelmed. You might feel like, you know what? This is, just forget it. But if you open your eyes and you really look around, you're going to start seeing the hand of God and realize, oh my goodness gracious, I never would have thought, but here it is. Look, I'm a musician. I haven't played anymore, but. I played the saxophone for many years. I even got a scholarship to UTEP, University of Texas at El Paso. My wife did, and I did playing. She was a, a percussionist, played drums and marimba and all kinds of stuff, and I played the saxophone, both alto and baritone. And, and when we get to the university, I, I just fell in love with music, and I like music of all kinds. And so... I like trying to find out some of the history behind songs. It's fun to look into history of any kind of song, whether it be a religious song or a righteous song, a Christian song or a secular song. It's just kind of fun to find out the backstory. And on Silent Night, it's one of my favorite Christmas carols. And Silent Night's a really interesting song because Silent Night was written to be played on a huge pipe organ. And the night that they were going to do the debut of Silent Night and they were going to have their Christmas service, man, guess what? The pipe organ broke. It broke ahead of time. So they called a pipe organ repairman and he was the only repairman in that whole region and he shows up and the pastor's really bummed out. He's disappointed and he grabs his guitar and he starts singing Silent Night. The pipe organ repairman is so impressed and so impacted, he said, can I please take this music and the lyrics with me because I go to church, the church I've got, I go to every church and service their pipe organ before Christmas. And he took the song with him and thus the song spread and the song grew and the song got heard by everyone around him. And it was just an exciting time of what was taking place. If the pipe organ wouldn't have broke down, maybe it would have just stayed in that region. But yet, here we are in Albuquerque, and we sing it. You see, there's times that are disappointing, but if you really look hard enough, you see the hand of God in it, and you see how God turned the whole situation around to work for your benefit. In the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, it says, all of this occurred. It's talking about all of the stuff that I've talked about. It occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophets. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth 
to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. We have to understand that life is hard. There's nothing easy about life. Life is hard, but God is good. And God will see you through any situation you ever face. Whether it be good or bad, God will see you through. And you need to give him praise, honor, and glory for it. And say, thank you, God, for watching out for me and my family. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 19... In verse 21, this is what it says. It says, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. So you can make all these plans, and then it turns out the way God wants it instead of you. And you go, ooh, that's not what I planned that God's going, but that's what I planned. Just watch and see the glory of God. Stand back and see the hand of God working supernaturally and working amazingly for his glory and not ours. In the book of James, James is the brother of Jesus, and he wrote these words in James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. And he said, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Man, so he's saying, when you get tested, you have a chance to grow. Now look, I don't know if you've ever been in a line and you're kind of in a hurry and you're in the bank line and the tellers are taking forever. Or you're in the grocery line, and there's, there's only one register open where they can do the stuff for you, or you have to use a self-service, and you hate that because it all jams up. <laughs> or maybe you're at the doctor's office, and you got there 30 minutes early, and they still take you in 30 minutes late. And during that time of waiting, during that time of holding on, I'm telling you, God has a way of ministering to us and God has a way of preparing us and God has a way of twisting things around so that you aren't all strung out and all mad and all angry and throwing a fit and making an embarrassment of yourself and of your family saying, this is ridiculous, I've been waiting here 30 minutes, hurry it up. Instead, you're like, man, God, I can't believe I'm so chill right now. Lord, you're doing no work. Your wife might go, Hun, I'm shocked. I'm so proud of you. Your husband might be saying, babe, thank you for not throwing a fit. Thank you. Why? Because God is using that moment to shape you and prepare patience and tolerance and, and really form your character and help you. And sometimes we miss it. You see, God grows us on the troubles of our life. When we're going through difficult times, God is strengthening us. He's equipping us. He's building us up. And you come out stronger on the other side. So trust in God. Trust in his message. And then trust also in what you're seeing. Learn from it and apply it. And then the third thing I want to share that we need to rise above disappointment by worshiping God's son. We do it by worshiping Jesus, by worshiping the son of God. You see, in this story, 
You saw all the disappointments I've talked about. And here the wise men, the magi, have come for miles and miles and miles. Experts say that the wise men showed up when Jesus was more like maybe two years old. Because Herod had all the two-year-old boys and younger murdered. But they had seen a star. They had seen the constellations because they were astrologers and astronomers. And they were looking at these things and looking at what their charts and seeing. And they had discovered a star that had not been there and a star that was now shining and saying, this is a king star and it's the king of the Jews. And so they came to worship him in verse 2 of Matthew chapter 2. It says, so where is the newborn king of the Jew? We saw his star as it rose and we've come to worship him. Herod's all stressed out, and he doesn't know what to say, so he sends for the Jewish leaders. After all, this is the king of the Jews, so the Sadducees and the high priests, they're going to know what's going on. So they bring him in, and they go, hey, so where's the king of the Jews supposed to be born? And they go, oh, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it was written. And so they end up going to Bethlehem. They left the palace. They went to the palace because that's where they figured a king was supposed to be born. You and I go to places where you and I think things should be happening. And all of a sudden you go to a place, you go to a person, you go to a thing, and all of a sudden it lets you down. And you're like, well, this didn't work out like I planned. But they went to worship. They said, we came to worship. And if we didn't find him here in the palace, we're going to keep searching till we find him. We have a mission. And worship isn't just music. We're worshiping now. Learning and growing and receiving. But we worship more outside of this building than in it. We're only here once a week on Sundays and once a week on Wednesdays. But you're in your job, your school, your neighborhood, your community, your house, your family, and you need to worship at all times. Worship is that gratitude you have that you give to God even in the midst of disappointment, even in the midst of brokenness, even in the midst of you hurting, you reach out to God. You see Mary, Mary worshiped as she waited. First, she waited for Joseph, and all of a sudden, they tell her, you're going to have a baby. And in verse, chapter 2 of Luke, verse 19, it says, And Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. You see, she had heard what the, the wise men said. She had heard what the shepherd said. She heard what the Lord had said. She heard what the angel said. And she waited and worshiped God in the middle of it, giving praise to God, thanking God, worshiping God, giving praise for who he is. Even though her wedding plans were disrupted and everything happened different than what she planned, she gave praise and glory to God. And that's what we need to do. We need to worship God even when you're waiting. I'll never forget, Cindy and I had our whole lives planned out. We were high school sweethearts. 
And I was a sophomore when I started going out with her, and she was a junior. And so I caught up, and I graduated high school in three years. And so I graduated, and we went off to UTEP. I was 16 years old. And man, when just before I turned 20, I finished school there. I was working, and we said, hey, we've already done, we've kind of checked off our bucket list up to this point. So I said, hey, let's get married. And at 21 years old, we got married. We thought we knew everything. What do our parents know? They don't know anything. And we found out our parents are geniuses, and we didn't know anything. (laughs) But we had everything planned. We'll be married two years, and then we'll have our first baby, and then we'll wait two years and have another one. We wanted four kids. So every two years, we were going to have a kid. And so we're trying to have a kid, and nothing's happening, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. And so I thought, well, maybe she can't have kids or I can't have kids. We went to the doctor. The doctor goes, well, you're fine, Mr. Mansfield, but Cindy, you're not. You have polycystic ovaries. It's the hardening of the ovaries. And you probably aren't ever going to be able to have children, but we could do a surgery. So she had a surgery, nothing. She had a second surgery, nothing. We're like, man. And our pastor's parents had the gift of healing. He used to lay hands on people and people would be healed. And so we asked them, brother and sister Davila, would you pray for us? We so desperately want a child. By now we had been married four years and they laid hands on us. And Cindy was in a band, in a Christian band called Blessings. And they were on tour and Cindy thought she was just having that time of the month. But instead when she got back, she goes, Richard, I don't know what's wrong. She went to the doctor, and he goes, I got good news for you and bad news. The good news is you're pregnant. The bad news is you're going to lose a baby. And I strongly advise for you to abort it. Because if you don't abort this baby, he's going to be born deformed and really messed up. And Cindy said, you know what? I've been trying for four years to have a child. And if God gives me a deformed child and a child that isn't perfect, he must think I'm the perfect mother for a baby. So she said, we're having that baby. He said, well, I'm really disappointed to hear that, but I'll be here for you guys. Now, there was a team of five doctors, and Cindy and I prayed, and we said, Lord, let Dr. Rothschild be the doctor to deliver the baby and let our baby be perfect. And our baby came, and he was perfect. Ten fingers, ten toes. And the doctor goes, wow, to think I had encouraged you guys to destroy this embryo. And I go, he's not an embryo. He's my son. You see, God has a way of lifting us up when we worship him in the darkest times of our life, when we wait on the Lord and he is exalted. You see, Joseph, Joseph worshiped as he obeyed in his disappointment. He was disappointed. He's like, man, Mary cheated on me. I am so bummed out. Then know that the holy child, 
I want you to marry her, but you can't have relationships till after the baby's born. Ooh, Kela. I've been waiting all this time and I gotta wait longer? He, he was just bummed out. He was bummed out, but the Holy Spirit comes to him once the baby's born and the Holy Spirit says to him in Matthew two fourteen, he says, <coughs> what you need to do is you need to leave for Egypt with the child and marry the mother because Herod's trying to kill all of the babies that are two years old and under, and he's gonna kill your baby. So they take up and go to Egypt, but he's like, really? I gotta go to Egypt? Really? I'm a carpenter and I got my business going. Oh, really, God? So he goes to Egypt. And then they're in Egypt and he reestablished himself and had his business going there. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes back in verse 21 of Matthew 2. And he says, so Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. Here we go again. But Joseph worshiped God with his obedience in spite of his disappointment. We need to worship God when we are going through a difficult time. We need to worship God when we're hurting. We need to worship God when we feel like we can't go on. When things are not going how we planned, we still need to worship God and say, you know what, Lord? I don't know what you're doing, but God, I'm gonna keep trusting you. Even though I can't see your hand, I'm gonna trust it. Because God is right there. He hasn't left you. Then the wise men show up. They've been, and look, we only say there were three wise men because they gave frankincense, myrrh, and gold. But experts and scholars believe that there was a whole entourage. These guys were very wealthy and they're traveling with all their servants and everyone and their camels and all the goods. And they get to the palace and they're really bummed out. What do you mean there's no king of the Jews here? But we saw his star. This is a palace. So they're disappointed. They go, no, he's born in Jerusalem. I mean, in Bethlehem of Judea. So they go to Bethlehem, which is a tiny little town. And they get there and they find Mary and Joseph. And they enter the house. It says in verse 11 of Matthew 2. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother. They saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshiped him. And they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now they didn't say, ooh, we ended up here at this little house. These guys are poor, man. Oh, what a drag. He's supposed to be the king of the Jews. And Mira, look where we are. This is kind of ghetto. Wow. Hey, guys, just, just bring in maybe a handful of gold. Don't bring in the whole treasure chest. But it says there, they opened their treasure chests, plural. They opened up the frankincense and myrrh and gold. You know what's really interesting? Joseph was a poor man and they believe, scholars believe Joseph died at a young age uh, or, or young into the marriage and Mary was a widow and they had gold to take care of her. Here God knew what he was doing and the wise men worshiped and they didn't hold back. They, instead of saying, we'll just give a little, no, they brought the chest. Here, bring the gold, bring frankincense. Frankincense is, is, is a spice and it's, it's an ointment and it's like a perfume 
that smells really, really amazing. And it's very expensive. And it says, we want to give him frankincense. And we also want to give him myrrh. Myrrh also is a spice that's very expensive and smells amazing. But what's really interesting, those spices, frankincense and myrrh, are used for death, burial. That's a weird gift to give a baby. Not when he's a king of the Jews and he's going to die for our sins and he's going to die and they're going to need it to bury him. But on the third day, he rose again. Our king lives. The wise men worship with their gifts. When you're going through a difficult time, give to those that are broken. Give to those who are in need because you will bless them. Then the shepherds worshiped by telling everyone. The shepherds were the low of the lowest. And the angel said, now go tell everyone. And verse 17 of Luke chapter 2, verse 17 says, after seeing Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. Let me tell you something. You might go to people, to places or things. You might go places thinking, I'll get the help I need here. I'll get the resources I need here. I, I'll go to this person because this person could really help me. I just have these things. I'll do really good. But people, places, and things will let you down in life. But Jesus never does. So today, I really want to encourage us because some of you are really disappointed. You're going through some hardcore stuff right now. You're going through some stuff that is overwhelming for you. In the book of Romans, chapter 9, verse 33, it says, God warned them of this in the scriptures when he said, I am placing a stone in Jerusalem that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. It's not that Jesus wants us to stumble. He wants us to come to the truth and to literally fall right over it and right onto it. But everyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced, will never be disappointed. So I don't know where you stand today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've been up against. But I'm here to tell you in the name of Jesus that God can give you the strength you need to make it through anything you're facing. And if you have never surrendered your life to him, I really want you to do that. I hope you would. So if you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to do that today, raise your hand. Say, that's me. I have never received Christ, but today I want to. Anybody? Well, then this is what I want you to do. I want to invite you to come up and pray and to trust God for your disappointment and say, God, would you turn it around? I'm overwhelmed. I'm so broken. I'm so empty. I need you so desperately. Make your way up right now. Just say, God, that's me. God, I, I really need to remember the message you gave me because I am so broken right now. I'm hurting. Would you make your way up? Would you ask God to just minister to your brokenness? You feel like, I don't know what happened. Everything was going so amazing. And all of a sudden, I lost the baby. 
we can't have one. God, I'm so broken. I'm hurting so bad. Because God, everything seems empty now. I feel like I can't even move forward. God, would you intervene and would you change things? And would you make all things new? Because God, I'm so broken. I I don't know which way is up and which way is down. I planned to be married to my husband forever and he died young. I planned to be healthy and now I've got cancer. I, I planned and planned and planned. And I'm telling you, God has a way of turning it around for good. So sing this song out as a song of prayer. And meditate on what you're going through right now. And ask God to minister. Would you do that? Would you all just rise with us and worship him? His love he lavished on us and called us children of the King. And in his loving kindness, he chose the lowly and the weak. And his heart Father, our life certainly hasn't turned out like we wanted to in every area of our life. Father God, we're living with some disappointments, 
but also with incredible victories. Father God, we need a move of God. We need a massive dose of hope right now. Hope and strength. So Father God, we're deciding today to put our hope and trust in you. Father God, we're tired of counting on things that don't last and things that let us down on people and places that let us down. We admit that, Lord, we, Father God, have let our own selves down. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you forgive us. You give us a fresh start. You encourage us and empower us and let us be filled with your spirit to do the will of our Father. And we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and God's people said, amen. God bless you, church. We love you. We have baptism service right now. I hope you'll stay to celebrate with those getting baptized. God bless you.